Hi, everybody. David Knorr. I want to welcome you back to the Curve Benders podcast. I'm elated you're here. I'm excited to get these uh, episodes under our belt. I'm trying to lay the foundation. This is episode three. Uh, last time we talked about uh, really future of work, uh, and I shared some key insights on uh, what I believe are the skill sets, the future skill sets that you're going to need. We talked about some of the more interesting jobs of the future. Uh, and I really set the stage, hopefully for your mindset in what's present, kind of what's what's around us today, what's probable, what does it look like in the next decade, and what's possible uh, really beyond the next decade. Uh, and the goal for this book, the goal for this keynote, the workshop, the coaching, this podcast is for you to get much more proactive in really developing a roadmap for your personal and professional growth. Make no mistake about it. And I often reference a good Emory University, uh, you know, uh, MBA professor of mine, Ben Kaczynski, who always says, you know, hear me now, believe me later, leaving your growth, leaving your personal and professional growth to someone else is like leaving your kids, you know, to be babysat by a complete stranger that you don't know anything about. Uh, leaving it to HR, I just don't think that's a good idea. HR's got a lot on its plate. HR is evolving as an organization. Your market all around you is evolving. Uh, one of my favorite data points uh, that I read recently is that 25% of, no, sorry, 40% of the top-line revenue of a lot of professional service firms, think accounting, think law, are going to go away in the next five years because of automation. How do you replace 40% of a firm's revenues, right? So if you don't want to be part of the complacent kind of uh, uh, long-in-the-tooth skill set that we no longer need, you're going to have to get more proactive in mapping your own personal and professional growth journey. That's really what we're trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what you know, a lot of this work is about. So in the last episode, we talked about future of work on this one, and it will be a brief one because we'll talk about these topics throughout this uh, season, this series, is really 15 forces we've identified that are going to dramatically impact your next two decades. So let me run through them. Then I'm going to highlight three specifically in this episode. And what I really want you to do, and again, I'll post these in show notes in our blog. I want you to really think about these and start asking, am I seeing some of these things? Where am I seeing them? What do they mean? How do they impact me? More importantly, if I'm observing this is what's happening, what will I choose to do about it? How can I start incorporating this into my own thinking and planning uh, in, in, in kind of how I learn, how I grow? Uh, in some of these areas. So here we go. 15 forces that we believe are going to dramatically impact your next two decades. Are you ready? I hope you're thinking of these. You'll go through and look at the list and you'll really start to internalize and make some time for introspection of what does this list mean to me? What will I choose to go do with it? Number one, your relationship strategy, right? I think you'd be shocked if you didn't hear from the relationship guy, guru on, on you know not getting much more proactive about your relationship strategy. I still meet almost 20 years after I launched a firm and I've written a book called Relationship Economics, I still meet people who think of their relationships as haphazard, that it's just something that happens to you. And, and, I, and I struggle with that because I don't, I don't like vagueness. I don't like to leave a lot to chance. So I want you to get more proactive about your relationship strategy, specifically 
in where you're going, what you're doing, how will you get there, what relationships will you need, what relationships do you have, how will you connect the dots with value add. Let me say it again. What relationships will you need in kind of your future? What relationships do you have, all the ones you've accumulated up to now, how will you connect the dots with value add? So number one is your relationship strategy. Number two is grit. Angela Duckworth, seminal work, great book. I love her definition. Perseverance plus passion. Having a passion for something, but really persevering through the ups and downs. Persevering through, you know, if you've ever been an entrepreneur, if you don't hear no, you're kidding yourself or you're tone deaf because most people are, are reluctant to embrace new ideas, new approaches, uh, stretch themselves outside their comfort zone. So grit is a huge one. And I have to tell you, I love, um, I, I talk about this in my keynotes, uh, a guy named Jim Thorpe, 1912 Olympics. He was a Native American from Oklahoma. And uh, in my keynotes, I show a picture of him. Uh, and in the picture, if you kind of look closely, first thing you notice is wearing two different colors of socks. Look a little closer and you actually see this guy is wearing two different pair of shoes. So fascinating story. His shoes were actually stolen that morning, advance of his race. He found two pair in garbage. One was too big. So he wore a second pair of socks. And by the way, he won two gold medals that day. So how often do we allow our tools to become a crutch? Well, I didn't have that, or you know, salespeople. I didn't have leads. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a tool to do that. I can't get there. I I can't find phone numbers. I can't. How often do we hear people give us again excuses or you know tools as a crutch versus how do I get scrappy? How do I get creative? How do I collaborate with somebody to find the answer? Old school. This is where grit really comes in handy. And I love seeing people who overcome seemingly you know, insurmountable odds to still succeed. So number one, relationship strategy. Two, grit. Three, mindset. Mindset that you cannot succeed in the future going out alone. Mindset that you don't have all the answers. Mindset that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So we're going to talk a lot about mindset, diversification, diversifying your skills, your knowledge, your capabilities. You're ready for this. Your revenue streams, your personal and professional growth should lead to learning, adapting, embracing a whole lot of new skills. And in that process, it should diversify your revenue skills. So if I'm a professional speaker and all I do is speak, God forbid, we have another 9-11 and all the meetings shut down and nobody's traveling and nobody's having meetings, that piece, that revenue is, is, is right, gone from me. Conversely, if I speak and I consult and I coach and, and I do I have a diversified portfolio of skills, knowledge, capabilities, I can adapt to different environments and diversify my revenue opportunities, right? Visualization, number five. Uh, I'm convinced ever since we created uh, PowerPoint, we also created death by PowerPoint. You said that you be quiet. I want to go through 178 slides in six-point font. And by the way, a few of these I'm going to read to you. Stop it. It is not helping you. Most people can't remember more than three things. So how do we visualize? How do we go back to back of the napkin? You remember that? 
You remember sharing ideas with people on back of a napkin or back of an envelope or some other quick and dirty way. It doesn't have to be perfect. More and more people are looking for less polish, less professionally done video, and more quick and dirty. Take your phone out and capture a message and send that. So how do we visualize ideas, perspectives, initiatives, mission, vision, direction? Because pictures are a lot easier to understand, internalize, and figure out how do I how do I contribute to this, right? So visualization is a big one. Number six, technology. This is an obvious one, but specifically, what technology is more prevalent today? What technology will become more prevalent? I'm trying to tell you, and in last episode, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to and look at some of the notes in the blockchain kind of technologies that I talked about in browsing and in shopping and in payments. And in, I mean, I referenced Steemit in social and Akasha and status and signal and ripple and Conti in payments. So go back and look at some of these things because this technology is becoming uh, omnipresent. By the way, Dan Burris, a good friend and a professional speaker, just announced that he's offering hologram keynotes where he goes into a studio and it is, according to Dan, just as impactful as him being on your stage. So this technology is going to continue to evolve and continue to push us. Seven demographics. Demographics are changing. Forget red states and blue states. How about blue and red neighborhoods? Forget, you know, all middle-aged, respectfully, middle-aged white guys on that board, right? More women CEOs, more women leaders. So you've got demographic diversity. You've got gender, ethnicity, background, experiences, diversity of thought. And the sooner you embrace this changing demographics that's happening all around us, the sooner you'll be able to gain unique insights from very different perspectives. Number eight, the economy. The economy is going to become, and it is, much more turbulent, right? So how can you understand it? How can you, very few of us can predict it, but become a lot more adaptable. A whole lot of fears around recessions and how can I create recession-proof businesses? I want you to think about recession-proof, if there's such a thing, set of skills and capabilities. And even if the economy takes a downturn, what will the market need that you continue to provide? What will the market need that where you can add value? So the economy is a big one. Number nine, storytelling. I genuinely believe storytelling is a new leadership competency. And I often talk about, uh, and this is a lot of our work around strategy visualization. Do you remember having a, a grandfather or an uncle that was a phenomenal storyteller? I distinctly remember being a kid. By the way, I have 42 first cousins. Fun fact: We used to go to one of my, you know, grandfather's uh, grandparents' home, and and Bubba Hamra, that was his name. It was uh, it's in Farsi means uh, Hamra was his last name. Bubba means dad. So our granddad was a phenomenal storyteller. As a matter of fact, he was in, his, in their attic, uh, accessible attic. There was a uh, puppet stage, and he would put on puppet shows for us as kids. And he was a phenomenal storyteller. What if we also engaged people in stories in terms of sharing our initiatives and key things that are important to us and projects we want to get approved and critical uh, parts of our business that we need buy-in and we need support and we need other people to come along and, and kind of help us along that journey. So storytelling is and continue to become much more critical in your success. Number 10, co-creation. 
Number 10 is co-creation. Co-creation is all about two or more parties coming together to create something that none of them could have done by themselves. Something that is stronger, something that is faster, something that is better, something that's less expensive to create. And it's it's not a partnership, it's not an alliance, it's not an acquisition, it's genuinely co-creation where two or more entities have a fundamentally vested interest in the success, in the outcomes that, that you create together. We I wrote a book on this. I'm going to continue to build on that idea. Co-creation will continue to become a much bigger force in our future. Number 11, haves versus have-nots. Educational competency, capability, growth creates economic, right? More of an economic divergence. And you're going to start seeing more and more of haves and have-nots. Those that have access to education, to learning, to growth, to digital, to technologies, to resources, and those that have not. Here's the key. Those that have must find a way to support those who have not. This is the social responsibility part. I love a quote I read. I forget the source, but it basically said, right, if you're lucky enough to catch the elevator on your way up, you better also send it back down to help others get to where you are. Haves and have nots, we all have a fundamental human decency responsibility to help others, right? Benefit from our success, benefit from that which we've learned, we've grown through, we've prospered through, help others create similar success. Haves and have nots is number 11. Number two, shrinking planet. Shrinking planet means forget globalization, forget the fact that I have more access to different markets. I have more access to different resources. I'm headed to London for the Thinkers 50. It's the uh, gathering of, of top management thinkers in the world, right? And and getting those folks on calls and video calls and really collaborating has become easier than ever before. I'm headed to back to Mumbai to, to lead a leadership program. And those leaders are going to come from all over the world. It is fundamentally a shrinking planet. So our access to resources, access to knowledge, access to capabilities on the other side of the world has gotten a lot easier. How will you benefit from that? How will you leverage it? Which brings me to number 13, geopolitics. From Brexit to the U.S. elections to make no mistake about it, if you don't think politics and geopolitics impacts you and you continue to ignore it, you're going to be surprised when it impacts you and you haven't noticed. Um, it is geopolitics is not going to go away. I'm not advocating you to become a, a revolutionist, if you will, <laughs> or lead a revolution. You just need to be aware of it and really understand how will it impact your thinking, your growth opportunities, your opportunities to learn and grow. 14 blank, black swan events. Um, these are... Uh, unfortunately, uh, 9-11s of the world. How will those types of events in terms of security and privacy and, and events that happen that you have no control over, how will they impact your personal and professional growth? Again, you cannot ignore them. You're not going to be able to forecast them or predict them, but you better have a plan uh, and really think hard about what happens if another, God forbid, 9-11 happens. And one thing that I've observed about those that wish us wish to do us harm, they're very patient. And it's a generational thing. 
and they pass those skills on to different generations and they're constantly recruiting and they will continuously, they have to be wrong once, sorry, they have to be right once. We have to prevent that. So black swan events, unfortunately, I believe is going to continue to be a part of our future. How can you prepare? Last but not least, 15, which is volatility, which all of these things lead to, right? So very quickly, 15 forces. Number one, relationship strategy. Two, grit. Three, mindset. Four, diversification. Five, visualization. Six, technology. Seven, demographics. Eight, the economy. Nine, storytelling. Ten, co-creation. Eleven, haves versus have-nots. Twelve, shrinking planet. Thirteen, geopolitics. Fourteen, black swan events. Fifteen, volatility. I'm not convinced I'm going to talk about all of them in the book. I certainly don't have time to talk about all of them in any of my keynotes or even some of the coaching. I just want to tell you, those are the 15 that we've uncovered, and I'm thinking a lot about in terms of how they will impact the way we work, the way we live, the way we play in the next two decades. So what's really important in your journey is to really think about a stair step. And this is inspired by Matt Ballantyne, a a really bright guy in the UK that I've been following online for some time. And I love his stair step that he talks about iteration is doing the same things better. Do enough iteration, you'll stumble into innovation, which is doing new things. Dabble enough at doing new things, and you'll stumble upon disruption, which is doing new things that make the old ones obsolete. So again, key takeaway for you, are you doing the same thing? Are you iterating enough? Are you trying to do the same things better? Innovation. Are you testing new ideas? Are you encouraging your organization? to do some new things. Again, a mentor is driven into me. If you're not failing, you're not trying. And that fear of failure is one of the biggest stumbling blocks for most of us to try new things. Because only when you try new things will you come across doing new things that really make the old obsolete. How many of you on this podcast remember carbon copy? I'm dating myself, right? Remember, we used to put that piece of paper in between two sheets, and I actually showed my kids didn't understand what CC and email meant. And I said, that's carbon copy. They're like, what's that? I'm like, we literally had this sheet that I still think you can get some, right, in art supply stores and online that you'd put between pages. And when you wrote on the top one, the bottom one, it would copy it. And the kids are like, why? Didn't have printers back then, (laughs) right? So we don't use carbon copy anymore. Because we've kind of evolved and we're doing new things. Think of all the different parts of your world. So if you were in that carbon copy business, what are, what are you doing now? What did, what did you? How did you transform? Faxes. How many of you on this podcast still fax things? I, I kid you not, a big insurance brand. I recently, recently, a few years ago, had a loss. A neighbor's tree fell on my detached garage, completely demolished it. And I kid you not, this global insurance company, who, by the way, I'm no longer with, is asking me to fax some information. I'm like, are you are you kidding me? Who uses a fax machine anymore? And and when I said that in my keynotes, you actually see some people look at each other like apparently more people do than I than I expected. But what happened if you're a fax manufacturer or you were in the faxing business? Now, let me extrapolate this forward. Many of you have heard of 3D printing, right? So most of us don't have 3D printers on our desks. But how about 3D printers as service bureaus like Kinko's or like Office Depot or Office Max or FedEx offices or any of those, right? I, I believe that's going to become a lot more prevalent where we can just, you want a part, you have to buy the part, buy the file for it, right? Send it to a 
you know, a, a, a print bureau, service bureau, let them print that 3D part for you, regardless of what the material is, right? I think that is going to become a lot more prevalent in our world. So key is you push yourself to constantly iterate, look for opportunities to innovate, and, and, and be lucky enough, be blessed enough to find opportunities for disruption. Um, I also love really interesting different experiences. So if you haven't had a chance, look into the Amazon Go. And there's a YouTube video you can look up. It's called Amazon Go. Fascinating. Why? They've completely eliminated the idea of uh, grocery store uh, registers and checkout lines and all that using machine learning and really interesting algorithms. And again, I'll put a link of it if you haven't seen it, but it's called Amazon Go. Look it up on YouTube video. It's fascinating. And what I can't wait is for that kind of technology to become omnipresent. Think of all the places where we have to wait in line. What a complete waste of time, right? God help any of us who have to go to DMV or post office, right? Um, So I love that technology of why can't I just use an app? Why can't I just understand what I pick up and put in my card. And as I walk out, just charge me for it, right? So we believe the advantage will absolutely come to those individuals, teams, and organizations who with the ability, who develop the ability to adapt and they do it creatively. So uh, this is where, again, I'll I'll talk much more in future sessions, visual storytelling. Uh, We talk a lot about simple, easy, fast and how to become a lot more competent in visual thinking. How do I reduce the complexity, create clarity, tell a better story? Uh, empathy, uh, and a really critical part in your storytelling and really understanding your target audience. What are they trying to say? Uh, who are they trying to engage? Uh, and what story do they want to tell to be remembered and repeated? Uh, and last but not least, really thinking visually in terms of how do we explore problems with empathy towards the consumer of that value? How do we lean design to focus on the right things, the right problems when we formulate potential solutions? And then how do we execute with agility, speed and agility in building version one, which is always better than version none? I still see way too many organizations work on building something that's perfect and they either miss the opportunity or their end consumers of that value get frustrated and go elsewhere, or something else happens where they missed, again, that window. Um, this is about co-creation, and certainly curve vendors is going to be about speed and agility. How quickly can we move? One of my uh, clients calls that decision velocity. How quickly can we make a decision and move, even if it's the wrong one? Can we quickly learn and pivot? And I keep wanting to remind you of, you remember being a kid and playing dodgeball? right? When that ball was coming at you, did you really stand still? Not if you didn't want to get a whelp on the side of your head, right? We all moved. We pivoted. We, we dodged the ball that was coming at us. Think of those as challenges and opportunities, and you're going to have to pivot. So on that note, I hope this has been useful. I hope this has been interesting. Again, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, I will post uh, uh, links. I will post uh, images. Um, in our blog, uh, referencing this podcast. So I hope you'll continue to learn, continue to come back uh, and learn from these podcasts. So David Knorr, this has been the Curvebenders podcast, episode three, focused on 15 forces. Uh, next one, next episode, I'm going to dive really into Curvebenders. Who are they? Where are they? How do we find them? How do we become one? And then uh, I'm really looking forward to 
sharing interviews with you of some fascinating people I've found that are really thinking about this future of work and how you can start to map out your own personal professional growth journey. Thanks for being here and I look forward to being with you again soon. Take care.